Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Knowledge Panel, Episode 9. And today we're talking about uh, big data sources and how you can use big data to leverage your SEO. I think it's going to be a great um, session. Certainly, it's a great panel. So if it's not a great session, I'm going to blame them. But uh, let's let's start by introducing them. Thanks ever so much to, to, to the panel for coming on. Uh, Rachel, why don't we start with you first and tell us tell us about yourself, where you're coming from, yeah, you know, what you do. Hey, um, I'm tuning down here from Orlando in my log cabin, as you can see in my background. Um, I've been in the SEO industry for about 10 years now, um, kind of done multiple things, started out doing um, music video and backlinking, moved on to Disney, and then also tried my um, luck in uh, the agency life, working with Stone Temple, um, now proficient. Um, and then <laughs> after that, yeah, falling in love with um, some of the clients I worked for there, I jumped into working in um, addiction and behavioral health. So getting into a lot of the YMYL, heavy EAT focus niches and now i'm testing my luck um working at money geek doing credit cards and really learning what um the true meaning of big data is yeah um, it's a big competitive marketplace to yeah. be in as well so yeah, yeah. uh so ymo your money in your life and uh authority expertise and trust being eat yeah. and yml uh okay uh lawrence why don't you go well How hi everyone um i'm great thank you very much dixon good to see some friendly faces uh um, <laughs> as indeed um so i'm lawrence o'toole uh i am the ceo of authoritas uh i've been doing seo since uh well, since I had dark hair, which was uh, some time ago, um, probably a uh, year yeah, to Yeah, okay. Year I, remember, I remember you interviewing me with dark hair. That was... Uh... Uh, thanks very much. Don't rub it in. And um, uh, yeah, so um, we, I started out, um, I think, a hire, in-house hired. Uh, we, I used to run the uh, digital business of a large Yellow Pages company, and we hired an agency back in the, I don't know, late 90s and 2000s. And um, they're now a client of mine, which is nice. And um, yeah, I started then, but um, quickly started out on my own in sort of 2009, uh, building tools and playing with data and haven't really looked back. Um, and I love nothing. Most people don't want a spreadsheet of, you know, 2 million rows, or, or, but I'm quite happy uh, playing with big data. And um, I know I shouldn't. And um, yeah, really here in, in such illustrious company, um, hopefully to contribute some pearls of wisdom, uh, but uh, if not, learn a lot myself. That's brilliant. Authoritas is a great, a great tool. I mean, I, I remember it when it was. For those that don't remember, or do rather, I know he's supposed to not say it at all, really. But it used to be called Authority Labs, but you can't remember. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, it's now Authority. Anal analytics SEO. Analytics SEO. Uh, sorry. Yeah, all right, no That's another one of your old customers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay. Analytics SEO. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and, well, and then you you bought out Linkdex along the way as well. That's you? True. So, yeah, we did. Yeah. Will. Uh, long time no see, mate. How well, are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Tell us, tell us about yourself and uh, and, and Sierra and everything. Oh, geez. Uh, so uh, I started in search August of 1999. Um, been at it for a little bit. Uh, somewhere along that road, started Sear. Uh, that was 2002. Uh, we're somehow still here. You know, still standing. Um, we do <laughs> SEO paid. Paid social analytics are basically our, uh, you know, our areas of expertise. Excellent. Okay, guys, um, thanks ever so much for coming on. If anybody's uh, listening out there, we're um, streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. Um, feel free to tell anyone else that, you know, uh, we got Will and Rachel on the call, you know, and you can say Lawrence as well, if you like, uh, and, uh, and, and ping him a link. Um, but, uh, uh, and if you've got any questions, feel free to ask them. We've also got, uh, got uh, the luxury of having some production in the background. David, are you, where are you? Do you want to come in and say, uh, I, I, hello? I, I, I am indeed here. Uh, good day. Good day, everyone. Um, so I'm just looking forward to a wonderful conversation. Um, how to use big data to scale SEO three wonderful panelists we've got here. I'll tell everyone a little bit about um, where else we'll be broadcasting at other times and also where you can get the podcast just um, at the end of the show as well. That's amazing. Okay. So guys, of course, this thing is uh, all sponsored by InLinks and all put, put together by, by InLinks. If you haven't tried InLinks, 
okay, well, that is a data source, a big data source. We've built our own knowledge graph and, um, <clears throat> and I'll give it a try. It's free. Uh, well, it starts free anyway. Obviously, we want your money in the end. Uh, so, <laughs> so let's get on to the questions uh, and, uh, and 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 see what 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 people can what pearls of wisdom we can get out of people. I'm going to start with you, Will, um, and then ask everyone really uh, uh, what. Well, firstly, I, I want to say what, what what does big data mean to you, really? I mean, how do you define big data? Oh, geez, that's uh, tough. But I, I think it's when the spreadsheets start to fail to me. You know, it's like it's like when you start realizing that the time that you're spending manipulating data multiple times in a spreadsheet, just they just start to fail. And that's when you have to find a new way to manage that much data. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. Particularly the pivot tables, they seem to take the effort, really. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone else want to stick up a different uh, a different view of uh, of big data? Or shall I just dive into uh, things on? I, I just think, for me, it's about uh, context more than anything else. It's, it's when you, you want to just stretch and go beyond, you know, the basic report. So basically, you know, look beyond, I don't know, what keywords your pages are ranking for and how they fluctuated over time to, to properly understand in your competitive environment. You know, every every key page on your website is not competing with the same set of competitors, for example, for most sites. So so it's it's when you just need to stretch yourself and go beyond what you can do in a, in a basic Excel or a basic Google, you know, Google Sheet mm-hmm. and need more data and, you know, more analysis or interpretation of that data. You need to slice and dice it in different ways. So for me, it's about context going beyond i yeah i agree with that and kind of like building off that um we use big data a lot to like find how we could differentiate so kind of like building off what lawrence just said using multiple data sources not just looking at the basic seo ranking factors sometimes even like building your own data sources to figure out how you can be competitive in markets that are more about things other than just keywords and backlinks um we had to use that a lot in my previous experience I think that's I think that's a, an interesting and, and an important take on it is is that oftentimes big data is about blending other data sources really so d- data sources that are out of your grasp perhaps for uh, for the whole data set but but ultimately it's 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 the blending of different APIs and uh, and different data sources and uh, I, I think it's is an excellent definition of big data manipulation and how SEOs use it. Uh, and I, th- I think for me, I've been uh, quite lucky in that uh, I've been working with well, previously previous life of Majestic and and and, and now in Links. Basically, yes, data sources that are too big to sped- fit in a spreadsheet, um, and then finding ways to have an, an output for those that people can then use and manipulate. Um, you know, so from server side, um, is probably my approach or, or my angle on, on that. So, so what? No, for SEO purposes or, or for any other purpose, what, what are your what are your favorite favorite big data sources to to um, jump into? So I'll start with Lawrence because I know what his big, favorite big data source is going to be. So. Uh, I'm not. We might, we might as well get it out. Yeah, you're not the most authoritative. I'm not. I, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, we've been building our tools for years, but um, but yes, we build our own data and we, yeah, we we capture our own keyword ranking data at scale. So so for me, the the, the biggest source of data is you know there is Google. You know, we are querying Google and other search engines heavily as is the whole industry to try and get the insights that they won't you know, give us via api i mean if they gave us a nice handy api i'm sure we'd rather use that instead but um so for me um yeah search engines first and foremost and then people's websites you know second you know obviously we are crawling websites crawling competitors websites trying to get insights so uh they are the two data sources we, we turn those into a service of course but but uh, you know we come yeah. third in the queue there yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, Will, what about you? What's your 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 favorite place to glean data? Uh, for me, as an SEO, for SEO specifically, it's paid search data. Um, you know, I think one of the one of the things I think SEOs have always struggled with is articulating our value. And one of the best ways to articulate your value, in my opinion, is to be able to say, "Hey, if I have all of your paid data." I can see how much you've spent for these words, which helps me to make a market price on what you're currently willing to spend for this basket of words. And then I apply that to, you know, large scale scrapes of, of Google trying to understand, well, who's ranking for these different words, but there's something to be said for, I get conversions, right? I mean, monthly search volume to me is just like, like, uh, you know, I get conversions 
inside of my, you know, inside of paid. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I also get how much you spent, which means I can take that and use that as a, hey, if you're willing to spend this much to get these conversions for this word, then blah, blah, blah on the SEO side. So I just love taking paid data and joining it in um, as just one of the many data sets I enjoy joined, joining to my SEO data set. Okay, I'd like to come back with that to that in a little bit. But uh, Rachel, what, what would you go with as your favorite data source? Um, my favorite data source to bring in, oh, that's a tough one, but I really... Even though, like, you, I know you can have you can have more than one. It's okay, you know. Um, yeah, because there's like for me, like, especially working at um, Advanced Recovery System, I got like heavy into the local market. So I spent a lot of time using like local SEO data to kind of help influence some of our strategies. So from going from that front, um, there's this like kind of like not so well known tool called Persuaded.io, built by this guy named Zach Todd. Um, all his data sources, which is a lot from like Google local and then some other searches he, and, um, also like the UPS index to find out if these, some of these like actual websites are legit or not. Like he can find the spam, which keywords have the most volatility, um, and things like that. So that really helped us like kind of like scale some of our local SEO efforts, which was new to me and something that you had never cool. really thought of. Cool. Okay. So I, I've not, I've not heard about persuaded.io. So let's come yeah. back in, uh, in a little bit on that as well. And maybe you can dive yeah. into. It's very similar to um, bright local, but. Okay. Um, a little so, 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 well, okay. We'll, we'll dive into that one a little bit now. <laughs> so, so persuaded.io, but is that, is that largely us focused? Cause uh, I, I get the feeling um, that uh, that local results are so much more of a big thing in the U S than they are in the UK. Um, and Lawrence will know because he's probably tracks them both. But so is that it's all of the data there US centric? Would you say, Rachel? Um, I would assume so. Um, but it's just like how how he's building it. Um, it's lo- um, definitely um, US based, and we've only I've only used it US based um, for primarily the really competitive markets in Florida, California, New York. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so he has a lot of data. Lawrence, so am I right in saying that you know the the U the US just is so much more into the local results than than, than the UK? I mean, I see I see yeah. the I see I see all the all the SEO gurus talking about local results so much, uh, and uh, and yet in the UK I don't see that quite as you know Amazon can get. Yeah, I mean <laughs> we're just we're, we're just a, a small a small little island, aren't we? What I don't know a fraction yeah. of the size of Texas or something. Um, <laughs> Very much so, a fraction, yeah. Th- so, um, yeah, I would say anecdotally what we're seeing from our platform is, is our U.S. clients. I mean, you know, some of them will have hundreds of different locations they're tracking or, or you know, a dozen or more major cities. So, so for them, hyper-local rank tracking, you know, is, is really important. Um, and it is, you know, it still is important in the U.K., but possibly less so. Um, so we see a greater demand in the U.S., certainly. So, well, in those pay tools you were talking about, there's a big Google's ad planner and those kind of uh, those those kind of technologies that you're talking about. I, I remember it, it must have been quite a long time back, but all of a sudden I got to a, an SMX in New York, and and Google had decided to take away the uh, take away the the ad planner APIs or the, the 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 local APIs. Oh, we got William Rock in there. Hello, William. Uh, we got the um, they t- seem to take away the. Uh, all the tools for for, for SEOs um, and uh, left it for PPC people, um, and there was a a real problem for a while with uh, with SEO companies that have been using you know those ad planning tools in in the in their technologies and stuff. Has that calmed down now, or is that because you're such a big PPC player, then they're not going to uh, not going to take it away from you, or is that something you always worry about? Do Google get angry about that? Yeah, I get I get pissed regularly um, because the way that the way that I manage it is I'm actually literally taking what you spent your money on and got your clicks on. Like I don't want any estimates um, because I mean once you actually like join the data, uh, so once you take a tool that says here's with a monthly search volume, especially for people that have any kind of long tail, and then you join that to your actual paid conversion data, you realize that you know, the average tool that's telling you a word has no monthly search volume that for one of our clients, it was 80% of their conversions, like 80% of their conversions came from keywords that all the tools out there were saying have no search volume, which means everybody's ignoring them. Um, so for me, I'm literally taking like, how many clicks did you get on this keyword last month or this search term and paid? Then I'm saying, okay, let me run an analysis on each one of those keywords. So at any given point, 
we're analyzing, you know, five, six million keywords, trying to understand what's happening specifically on the spend. Now what Google's done is for some crazy reason, they've said, oh, we're not going to show you all the words that you actually paid to get a click on. And, um, you know, that kind of sucks. So they've taken, uh, taken away the, the Google not provided is now extended to paid as well. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it was different with not provided because they were giving you free traffic. They're like, yeah. we don't owe you anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. I literally just found a client that was a, a bidding on the word things, things, and spent like 20 <laughs> Gs, right? And, you know, when you start taking that information away from marketers and saying, trust the machines, they'll optimize your shit, it's like, you know, yeah, I could have paid a thousand dollars for this mic. I don't want somebody looking at my bank account before they choose how much they're going to charge me for it. Mm-hmm. And with Google, it's like, hey, if you said you want to come in at this CPA, you came in under. It's like, well, just because I came in under doesn't mean I want to pay twenty grand a year for the word things, dude. Um, so what we're doing is we're pivoting and we're, we're we're starting to offset the Google data with the Bing data to help us to better find because Bing will give Ooh. you impressions, mm-hmm. um, whereas Google won't give you what search terms you showed up for until they get a click. Bing will show you what search terms you showed up for at the impression level, which means I'm actually getting the data faster, even though it's a smaller data set, because Google was hiding so much of that before. So that's one of the errors we're going. Do you use Google Search Console data at all, or is it just too limited for you to actually do anything with the kind of clients you work with? Um, No. So I think uh, there is value in Google Search Console data. Um, the biggest valuable area that I find and, and others mileage may vary is the click-through rate. Um, because I, I think when you work with big data and you work trying to join data, your whole mentality is, to me at least, is 100% focused on what data set gives me something that no other data set gives me that I can join to my other data. And for me, Search Console gives me that click-through rate by position which helps me to do all other kinds of interesting things. So that's the thing that I like most out of Search Console, but I don't use it for much just yet. Okay. And uh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll come back into Rachel Lawrence in just a second. Uh, but uh, I just I saw a video very recently. Uh, it was kind of a promo for Traject uh, where you were saying, um, you know, there's so much traffic coming through for, for a client that you uh, you, you, you said, you know, 200,000, 300,000 um, uh, where I'm only getting one click on a keyword, you know, in a year. But, you know, that's 300,000 clicks of really long tail, really good converting traffic. Uh, and that's the stuff that that, that that you value. So you're still still very much of the feeling that, you know, long tail is where it's at for you in, in terms of conversions, Will. Well, you know what? Um, I have the data to say where it is and isn't. That's yeah, the freaking okay. beauty of big data is you stop using your experience as the way that you're going to make recommendation. Instead, like I can look at, I can go into BigQuery and find out for every client what percentage of their key of their conversions are coming on keywords that had less than 10, less than 20, less than 50. So now I'm not coming out with some blanket, you know, like, hey, everybody, look at your long tail. I'm like, no, bring your data somewhere you can join multiple data sets together analyze all that data and then now you can just see what kind of strategies might work for which kind of clients if anything i think that's the power of big data is for so long we had to use our experience it's like what have i worked on you know a thousand websites there's like a billion of them that's a horrible rate for me to go out and say hey here's what i think you should do you know i know uh, what i'm doing i know yeah Yeah. i have no freaking clue yeah Yeah. okay rachel i mean you i mean you're dealing with data sets all the time i mean uh that 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 sort of long tail kind of uh low low volume high value traffic uh are you are you finding that harder to to analyze these days or you know how, how do you find that end of the spectrum um it's harder to analyze but i feel like especially in the industries i've worked in like that's like my competitive edge um so like now especially with credit cards like a lot of the competitors aren't focusing are putting their effort into focusing on those long tail keywords and with some of the data sources that we're able to pull in which we use a lot of like you said earlier like a lot of apis to pull in data sources from government websites like at advanced recovery Mm -hmm. system cdc at Money Geek, um, the financial government bureau site, and pulling in those data sources to kind of see where competitors are missing out on, where our competitive edge could be on. So at least kind of like doing the whole like run walk um, method, raking for those longer tail, more intent um, focused keywords, and then hoping to rank for those like head terms later on. 
Um, All right. So, so, so building those strategies aren't so. So, using those data sources aren't necessarily in the front end of your product. There to find out where you've got gaps in your uh, in your product portfolio uh, and yeah. using that to, to fill the, the product yeah. portfolio, right? Yeah. That's Luckily, kind of I've always been on the front end, so I have used it to like do my planning. Um, but there have been times, um, especially at Advanced Recovery System, the strategy was kind of already built by the time I got there. But we had to really redefine that after. Um, the dreaded medic update. So that's another time where we had to like kind of go back, look at all our data, and then even do um, a little crafty ways to bring in our own, I guess, like big data sources mm -hmm. um, from things that weren't really quantitative before, but we made them quantitative in a way. So I got a I got a question for you guys, and, and this is uh, maybe me going out a little bit on a limb, but I had a, a demo today. Um, which uh, where where somebody was coming in for for, for the Inlinks product and, and and the Inlinks product for those that don't know, most of my audience will. But uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a knowledge graph. So we've taken our own knowledge graph. We've created our own semantic connections between entities and, and ideas, um, and everything else is built off of that really. Uh, but. Um, we had someone coming in who wanted it because for PPC and uh, it rings that Will was sitting there saying that uh, Google now are sort of taking away that keyword granularity that they used to have within the paid search data stuff. And he was saying um, that he thought that was largely because Google's paid products are going to start moving towards topic based um, systems as well and move away from keyword systems at the front end as well. Mm. Um, do you think that, and I don't know if he's right or I don't know if he's wrong, really. I mean, you know, we, we, we're guessing out there. But it does seem to me that this whole uh, entity-based approach to uh, to anything that, that Google does now is starting to become more important. And I'm wondering if it's going to start coming into the, uh, to the paid data sources as well, the paid search data sources as well. Any thoughts on that, Will or, or Lawrence or Rachel? Well, I'm definitely not the right person to to uh, to talk about paid. It was about I don't know year 2000 when I when I actually built a paid uh, a PPC platform. Uh, but it it does worry me uh, that uh, you know it's like an extension of Google's uh, dominant market position. Uh, access to data from a you know a monopoly provider, they need to provide access to data on terms that are fair and reasonable. And you know I'd say you know it's essential for website owners to understand demand. Um, you know, to, to build websites, to, you know, to launch campaigns. And if you are totally reliant on advertising on Google to actually get the data you need, then, um, you know, clearly that, that really just strengthens their position even more. So the specter of them, you know, you can see where they're going, you know, obfuscating keyword data more. We've seen it on the SEO side with trying to get search volume data out and then, then with the close variants and returning the same search volumes for close variants. Um, it, it does look like it's heading that way. I mean, Will might know more or Rachel might know more. They might be do more paid campaigns than us. But, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bleak picture you're painting of, of them, you know, reinforcing their dominant position and making it harder and harder for us to get the data we need to, to make decisions. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like Will's going to have a lot more to say, so I'll make my point quick on this. But I feel like it's heading that direction just with things like kind of like how what Lawrence said, things that we're just seeing in the SEO industry in general, like even with Question Hub, everything's entity based. Like you got to get really specific to find a good question. But from the high level, it's all entity based. So I feel like everything's like Google's heading that way. So like, why would they not include paid? <laughs> Well, do you want to jump in with some thoughts? Uh, I mean, the sad part is as long as Google is willing to let people spend $20,000 on the word things, they need to show us every freaking piece of data that they have. <laughs> when I got matched, you know, like Google's not using entities for paid because it would kill their business. So... Like, I mean, they're, if they use it, right? Uh, so here's an example. Um, I was bidding on the word exact match uh, GA360, right? Google Analytics 360. If you type in GA360 right now into your browser, uh, you're going to get all their entity work on organic tells them that that's, that's a Google Analytics 360 query, right? So why was I getting clicks for words like Georgia 360 on their, on their variant matches? And I'm paying 20 bucks a click for Georgia 360? It's like, no, you're using your entities to build a better organic search engine, but you won't flip those same entities over 
on the paid side, because if you did and you stopped showing ads on those, people wouldn't be spending 20 grand a year on words like things. And you know what? Then you're going to just start to remove the data so we can't see it as easily, which, you know, you'll say it's in my best interest with your machine learning. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's, you know, I, I couldn't run a business that way. You know, uh, so it was, I, it's a shitty way to run a business, if you ask. Me. I'm going to I'm going to take a different angle, just because there's no point in us just all agreeing on the whole thing. And I and I and I want to bring it a little bit back to organic, I suppose, as well. But there's other ways in which entities are starting to to, to come out in Google's products. So, and a good one. I don't even have an Android, but I know on Androids you've got you, you, your your phones. You have Google Discover, uh, and so these things are popping up with ideas, and they're all topic based. They're they're very much much based on here's some interesting pages that about hitchhiking or sorry about hiking or um, or swimming or whatever because you've already shown some interest in that topic so uh, so, so so when they're flipping around to entities um, I, don't, I agree they shouldn't take away the keyword stuff but by flipping around uh, into entities they've got this this other avenue of um, uh, of, of traffic that they can start monetizing by understanding the, the underlying topics that uh, the people are interested in. Uh, and then, you know, I guess at some point they're going to say, well, as long as you're, you're, you're thinking in terms of topics and ideas on your advertising campaigns, then, uh, then you're going to get to get good traffic coming back as long as you're matching hiking to, 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 um, to hiking. I think the nasty thing is that they just control both sides of the market. Right. So yeah. that's the nasty part. Like, oh, trust us. You know, uh, this is in your best interest. And it's like, hey, can I get my data to make sure it's in my best interest? No, we're not going to give you all of it. It's like, well, then how am I who's going to police you? Oh, we will. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's a great idea. That's a very fair point. I, I, yeah. It's, it's even a- worse than local. Like, oh, like local search is so bad. Like kind of like what Will's saying. There's so many things Google can do to make it better, but it's in their their money's but are their pockets best interest to just leave it as is and just leave the independent seos or just submit readdressal forms to fight spam or people that are like bidding it's 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 the worst like i i, I yeah i don't even want to talk about it anymore because i get okay. so frustrated <laughs> it's, like, it's frustrating we'll, we'll move on we'll move on we'll move on uh, but, but but william uh william put a post uh, a point up uh and i didn't get a chance to read it out uh so william said google ads is difficult especially since they are forcing enhanced bidding and smart campaigns uh and, and smart campaigns are a waste of money for high high dollar keywords and that's the point isn't it it's the high dollar ones where you just you you as exact match it as you possibly can in the new Google world, um, and uh, and 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 you don't want Google to learn because Google's going to uh, just just go worse from your exact match um, uh, campaign there, um, which is which is not great. I, I will admit. Okay, let's get back to the organic stuff. I'm sorry <laughs> for sending uh, Will off on a, a little heart attack there, and uh, you know raising the blood pressure. It's, uh, I apologize for that. So. Um, <clears throat> You talked about BigQuery. Um, you know, there's, uh, uh, getting these data sources is one thing. Mixing them and matching them and visualizing stuff uh, and putting those those different data sources together um, is a completely different um, kettle of fish, really. What tools do you use to do that? And what's worked work, work for you in trying to put together different disparate bits of information and, and matching them up? What do you use? Who's going? Rachel. I can go. Um, one tool that if the data source is small enough and depending on like how many resources you have, I really like data studio. It's free. It can be slow and clunky, but if your data source is small enough, you can do a lot with it, at least just to get your point across. But if you have a lot of data, um, I think somebody mentioned in the comments too. Um, I got lucky enough to work with, um, have the access to use Microsoft power BI, which, I know there's a ton of other tools that do the same as that, but um, that was a tool that was super easy um, and not as expensive as like other sources like Tableau. And I'm sure there's cheaper and better ones, but um, Power BI was like easy enough for me not to know what I was really doing to get a lot of data. Is Power BI, is that Microsoft's one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, 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 Power BI, I guess, is competing with BigQuery, Google's BigQuery. Is that correct? Or you know, no? Okay. Mm-hmm. What's you know? No, I would say Google's version. Google. Well, Google bought Looker to compete with Power BI. 
Okay. And okay. because data studio wasn't robust enough, like, you know, to Rachel's point, um, it was, uh, you know, if you're dealing with smaller data sets, it's cool. Mm -hmm. um, and they've made a lot of improvements, but you know, I, th I feel like data studio is chat to Slack, right? It's like, it gets you by and it's good enough, but when you want to do the real kind of stuff, you know that there's a better product out there. Um, but yeah, no. So, you know, usually for most of us, like I know at least for our team now is we have a ton of data engineers now just constantly dumping this data into BigQuery, making sure it's clean so that people like me can easily connect into it and join data. Um, the other thing I love about Power BI is, you know, if I want to mess around with, uh, you know, Medicare.gov data, I can just go download a CSV and then join it to all of the data that I'm pulling from BigQuery. So like I can do that on my desktop. And I think there's something to be said for empowering your team to be able to have a clean set of data coming in and then being and the, the tools you're using being open enough for you to take data from other places and join them into the main data set that you have. Yeah, I, th I think that's I think that's key. Um, so yeah, and so Supermetrics is out there, but that's kind of spreadsheet based as well. Uh, Bigmetrics.io and, and uh, as well. But these ideas are all really about how how to connect those different um, tools. Uh, and then um, and then in the middle of all that is uh, stuff like Zapier, which kind of is kind of like the connecting the connecting piece. Really, I think if I've got a data source. Whenever I do have a data force, one of the first things I try and get my dev team to do is to get a Zapier endpoint, so that you know I can't expect SEOs to to really go too far. I mean, unless they're going to take my API and program it and, and build their own their own connections, but a, a Zapier connection just means that loads of other tools can theoretically just pull pull in whatever what we built once. Uh, and it may not be the cheapest way of doing it, but I don't have to develop every single time a tool wants some 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 stuff. Uh, what what about you, Lawrence? How how do you uh, visualize data? So uh, so similar comments really. Uh, we use Google Data Studio for clients. Uh, find it a bit flaky sometimes. It would just you know you just have to refresh it a couple of times to get a perfectly good data source to show. It's a bit frustrating, but sending data into BigQuery. And then visualizing it in Data Studio um, is a much better way to go. And obviously, once you've sent the data into BigQuery to Will's point, you can pretty much you can send it anywhere. Uh, so Power BI, Tableau, any, any tool there, you can really sort of visualize this data. Um, and we do for clients. I, I would probably just give uh, mentions some different tools. Just you know, you know, that I like um, you know. I like graphs and looking at graph data and we use ranking data in graphs to try and give insights on the whole market. Um, so we, we have our own tools for that, but there's some free tools out there, which I've play around with from time to time and really find valuable things like kumu.io, probably not pronouncing it right. K U M U.io and graph commons. Uh, they're two very similar online free graph tools where you can just upload uh, or connect directly to Google sheets and spreadsheets of data and you can then, um, you know, annotate with metadata your nodes and your edges, and you can build a graphs on the fly. And they've got some really nice clustering. Uh, and I use it for finding um, frequently asked questions that are central to a theme. So if I look at all my ranking data, I, I look at all my pages, I pull all my competitor data in, I throw all that in with all the people also asked, and I can go, hang on a second, These, you know, I can put up a graph, and it's like a power law distribution of questions that are central to a couple of topics that I'm interested in, like, I don't know, keyword ranking APIs or whatever. And you know that those questions, really, you've got to be answering this website. This piece page has got to be answering those questions. So, have so you, that's, have you, and you've, you've, I think you've used those tools to pull out some some pretty good uh, um, blog posts as well, case, um, case studies in the past, um, I think. Well, we did a, yeah, um, we, we did a, this is going back a few years, we did a, um, a graph of a whole, I did try and, I did try and graph the whole of the UK um, with all our ranking data we had, which was a bit uh, foolhardy. And after trying to analyze it for five weeks, we gave up. But, uh, <laughs> but it was fun. That was a few years ago. So then we, we focused on my CTOs, tearing his hair out. Uh, but anyway, um, so I said, come on, we must be able to do it. That, that reminds me, actually, remind me later of some crazy harebrained idea I've got about big data one day. But anyway, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, no, um, we did uh, an analysis for uh, Price Minister, a big French e-commerce site. They were doing okay. They ranked for 900,000 keywords on the first three pages of Google. Um, and then what we did was build a graph. But rather than just look at ordinary ranking data in sort of SQL type of way, we took every single ranking page and all their ranking keywords, went out and found all the ranking competitors' 
pages and all their ranking keywords and just built out that graph and then ran a clustering algorithm just to a community detection algorithm. It was 4.2 million keywords and we found all the different clusters. And then I'm afraid to Will's point, we had to use search volume. We didn't have any other data, but we could use search volume and, and we use majestic link data to help them understand in the clusters against their top 100 competitors how dominant they were, how, you know, so, so how big the clusters were, so what's the opportunity? And then based on whether, they've, whether they're in the cluster or not, you can say, okay, well, you're ranking okay. Out of all these clusters, which ones have the best potential for you? And where are you dominant? You can end up with a matrix. So you kind of got high potential, high strength, quick wins, high potential, low strength, build authority. You know, reasonable potential, fairly strong maintenance and low, low, don't bother, you'll never get there. So that's a great way of looking at sort of. I, 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 love, I love how you use the word "just" as you went through that 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 development process. I, you know, it's not as if you did it in a morning, is it? Really, you know. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> no, it, it took it, it took a long, long time. But um, but you can now. I mean, you can you can um, you know, we have a clustering tool, but you can you can take all that data and you can aggregate and you can cluster that data and you can run these community detection algorithms yourself and draw insights out. And to, and to Will's point, one, yeah, and, and Rachel was mentioned earlier, you, you can factor in, uh, we were using analytics data and e-commerce transactions, and, and then you go, well, all these pages have got a 10x potential, but hang on a second, these five, these 50, we make three times as much per organic visitor than these, so let's focus on those. And then you've actually, that to me is big data and context, like I said at the beginning. I've taken you know, a site that's doing well, and I've looked at, and I found a market of 4.2 million keywords, and I'm not going to do that manually. And I just want to press a button and get some insights. And the real skill, I think, for everyone here, and whether we're, we're using our brains or software or whatever, is using all that big data and distilling the insights into, into some clear deliverables that can be communicated you know, up and across the organization and acted upon. And that is the art of it. And we certainly haven't mastered it yet. Uh, but we, you know, we're, we're, we're taking baby steps in the right direction, I feel. Mm. There's lots of nods from Will and Rachel. Anything you want to add on that? So no, I mean like uh, you're pretty much spot on there. I, I think yeah, that, I agree with everything. Get it? Yeah, get it. Finding the finding yeah finding the needle in the haystack is what, what we're you know that's you could have just said that Lawrence. You know? <laughs> Sorry. I, one thing I would say I I feel when um, and we're guilty of this and you know lots of old tools out there much better known than us SEM Rush Hrefs everybody search mm -hmm. metrics etc. They've all got visibility tools that analyze you against the competition and every time I see a graph it's like you I'm an e-commerce brand I'm competing with Amazon and eBay and and I see that sort of visibility graph and that competition or Venn diagrams I really mm. don't like Venn diagrams right <laughs> my, pet, my pet bugbear and I go people aren't doing competitive analysis properly because mm. they're not using big data and in you know if you're an e-commerce site like DIY.com or someone like Lowe's in the States and you can you're competing yes with your traditional competitors but you're competing with Amazon and you're competing with eBay's of this world and you know if you were to ask a question I got I don't know a nine percent growth in organic traffic last year is that good or bad well, it would depend on how the market grows. You know, what happens in the market and put it in context. Mm. And when you compare a graph of your visibility against all of Amazon's keywords, it's irrelevant. You've got so much noise in there that's not relevant to you. If I sell bikes, I want to understand what the gap analysis is and the opportunity analysis against the keywords that Amazon and eBay are ranking for in bikes. And and that to me is a really good use of big data to try and give you a better context. Hey Lawrence, one of the uh, things that we've just started working on, so it's so in its infancy. Um, but going back, I think it was you or maybe it was Dixon that asked about Google Search Console. Is uh, so when I was talking about using data for where it has such a unique piece of data that you can't get anywhere else mm -hmm. that click-through rate for Amazon. Um, we're starting to look at like when Amazon shows up in what position do we see that your click-through rate is way different when Amazon's above you sitting right around you. Right. So then all of a sudden you might say to a client, Hey, if Amazon's in the two positions above you in almost every product category, it's not worth it because your click-through rate gets crushed. So instead let's look where Amazon's not in the top in the top, let's look at the click-through rate as a cluster for that group and say, wow, look, your click-through rate actually is 3x higher when Amazon doesn't show up. And then when you're running your monthly rank checkers, if Amazon comes in, you're like, let's go hands-off for a little while. And if Amazon drops out, you might say, hey, let's go in and try to win for a little while. So that's an example of how, um, how, how we're hypothesizing right now. 
on how to use Search Console data to help us to make better decisions. The other part that we are now, it's funny, everything with big data becomes a Pandora's box, doesn't it? So the minute we say, oh, Amazon's ranking, what does that do to our click-through rate? But then it's like, well, now we have to go scrape Amazon to see whether or not it's our page that's showing up. Are we listed? Because then the money's still going into the same bank. So then the client's not really as concerned. So, you know, like it just becomes this Pandora's box, but that's the fucking fun of it, right? Yeah. Like that's the fun of it. It's just a little business. Pandora's <laughs> box up and being like, oh, and then getting it to your point, Lawrence, to the point where you click refresh one time and you've engineered all the data to come in and surface those insights, you know? So that's been, um, that's exactly how I'm trying to use Google Search Console data for something that, could give us a, a you know a little bit of a leg up. I think Rachel was talking about that as well. I think honestly these days, in my opinion, like SEO is like where can you find that little thing that if you do it gives you a wedge that's broken between you and your competition because everybody's going to have SEMrush, everybody's going to have Ahrefs, everybody's going to have these tools. And the thing is, is like how can I use their data? join to other people's data or even their data in a different way that tells a better story or a different story. And that's where I think most SEOs are going to create value these days. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. And, and Will, William Rock thinks that you've got a killer idea. The, uh, the uh, Amazon. I'm, work, we're, I'm working on it right yeah, now. I just don't have as much time to, uh, to play with it as I wish I did, but we have a team that's working on that literally right now. Do you also look at uh, click-through rates? Um, we've got something that does above the fold analysis on ranking data. So you can look at where competitors are bidding on your brand term or brand brand related terms. And then you can obviously see that impact on your CTR as well. So if you're, if you, if you then drop below the fold um, on mobile or desktop and you go, hang on a second and someone's bidding here, then that obviously leads you to one set of actions as opposed to actually it's fine. No one's bidding right now. Perhaps I don't need to spend as much bidding on my own brand term. Yeah, we're doing a little bit of that, but that gives me some inspiration to do a little bit more. Because <laughs> also what you're talking about when you do above and below the fold, what I like about that, and it's funny how this wasn't like my world before. Like, it's crazy that once you decide the spreadsheet's the wrong place to win, uh, uh, how you start learning skills you didn't think you would have to learn, right? Mm. So um, for me, you know, when you do above and below the fold, what I like is you're aggregating that data into two groups instead of position one, 1 1.1, 1 1.5, 1 1.5, because then when you go to look at the data, it becomes so disparate that you can't really see a trend. So one of the things I've learned, for those of you that are going to start off newer in big data, you start learning real quick. You start slicing that data super small, and you're sitting there like, what am I going to do with this? So sometimes rolling <laughs> that up, you started, really. you might you know, well sometimes rolling that up into two big groups is like, hey, above and below the fold is a good start, because now my 10,000 words are only spread into two categories instead of spread across 50 categories at all these one, one and a half, two, two and a half threes, and it can yeah. drive you nuts. That's great. That's uh, some good thoughts there. So uh, I didn't get a, an opportunity, and they were nearly at the end, really. But I, I wanted to just because because uh, Inlinks has got its own knowledge graph. You know, the whole the whole uh, idea of um, of inorganic Google moving towards uh, entity based um, uh, algorithms uh, and organic search uh, moving towards an entity uh, approach. Um, you know, how how do you think um, a a system like I know you don't necessarily know anything about Inlinks, guys. I'm not asking you to to, to know about it, but uh, how do you think we can um, we as a, as a as a data source could um, make to make make our data our, our data accessible? If we've got a we've got our own knowledge graph, we know how things are related to each other, so we've got it categorized, so we can sit there and say, right, if you want to know about the concept of you know. Um, history, then we know that if you're going to talk about history, you might also want to talk about geography, you might want to talk about these old school subjects, or within the context of economists, economy, um, economics, you might want to talk about these things like, you know, the, the South Sea bubble or whatever. So you've got different topics related to each other, and being able to throw that back out to people. Um, you know, do you think we've got to make that um, accessible to people to, to put into data sets like um, uh, into into Google Sheets and and, uh, uh, and, and or, or can we can we just give people CSV downloads so uh, so they can take those that data and move from there? How 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 much effort should a data source that isn't yet commonly available? I suppose uh, how much energy should they put into making it available to be picked up by? anybody else in any other form part of me selfishly if it's a really crazy data set 
just leave it as a CVC file. Don't let that many people know about it. So the people that <laughs> okay. are that crafty can find it and use it. Right. Right. Competitive edge. But I love, like, if I go to a site, like, especially like all the government sites where, and I see that it's just like a CSV file of data, like, I am so happy at that moment. Cause, like, yeah, it's going to take me a little bit more time to like splice and there's probably better ways to get it. But it's still like, heck yeah, I have something I can work with at least. So, Rachel, do, you, do you have access to data engineering in, in your organization? Um, now, at this one, yes, it's a smaller team than what I had at um, Advanced Recovery Systems. We had a bigger team there that, like, I would basically could give it to them and they would do a lot more with it in Power BI um, and then make it easily updatable for me to go in there, just slice and splice it and just find my little wins when I could. The, the, the reason, that's why I was asking, you know, it's like, I find that my to not waste my data engineer's time. I'm just like you, I'm like, get me a CSV ASAP, yeah. right? And the beauty of, uh, one of the things I love about Power BI, <clears throat> and I don't know about other tools because I don't have time to research them all, but one of the sources you can make is a folder. So anything that can email you a CSV every day, you can just basically backdoor it as an API. You just have to jump the file out of your Gmail and drag it into a folder and you just hit refresh and it updates all your visualizations. So for me, a CSV is usually good enough. And then when the CSV starts to get show a lot of value. My data engineers are really good at being like, Will, don't even come to us with this idea until you run it through CSVs four or five times, shown it to four or five clients. It all created something that they haven't seen that they see value in. Then maybe we'll engineer the data in a way to just to bring it right into our BigQuery instance. Because early on, I was just wasting people's time on my team by being like, oh, there's this, there's an API that's attached to it. And then they would. And I'd be like, well, now that it's here, like it's, that, that is not what I thought it was going to be. So I just love playing with CSVs until I find the real value. And then I throw it over to the real developers. Okay, that's 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 really useful for me to know, actually. Uh, so uh, Ammon was coming in with some stuff there. Okay, can you bring back the last couple of things, there, uh, David? So so uh, Ammon, what was the thing Ammon said before? Uh, he had another one before there. So uh, accessibility is often about lowering the floor, providing a, a ramp. Helping identify useful opportunity uh, is 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 always in that ballpark, uh, and then goes on to say so. Perhaps identifying very easily and very clearly where a lever is, uh, I guess above the fold and below the fold is a really good one. That's a lever, um, really, and where ambiguity exists can be exploited or fixed. Um, so uh, if you if you don't know Ammon, find him on. You know, uh, he used to be called Black Knight, but I think this probably doesn't tell anybody that since, uh, since those days. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, <laughs> that's where people that have been in the industry for many, many moons. Um, guys, uh, we're pretty much near the end of our time. Um, is, is, is there anything, anything massively left unsaid that I really need to, uh, to, 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 to bring in here? If not, then David, what are we going to be talking about next time? And when's the next uh, next show? And how do people get onto it? Because we've changed our whole system. Well, um, we're actually still open in terms of subject. Um, so we're working on the subject right. at the moment. But I can tell you that the next show is going to be on Monday, the 19th of April at 4 p.m. BST. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Um, so make sure that you sign up at theknowledgepanelshow.com to get alerted uh, for that one. We've had a, a great crowd watching us live on YouTube, especially for this one. Thanks for your interaction, Amon, uh, William Rock especially. We've got some great likes on Facebook. Izzy Wright, Chris Wright, got Tim, um, Kim Tongfrey as well. So thank you so much for your interaction there as well. Of course, you can listen to the show afterwards in a podcast as well. Uh, we'll tell you all about that over there at theknowledgepanelshow.com. Okay, and the podcast is pretty much anywhere, Spotify, iTunes, you know, those places. Apple Podcasts, well. Google, exactly, yeah. So, guys, uh, before we go, uh, it's time for me to say thank you very much for coming on. It's, a, I know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, taking time out of your day uh, is is uh, is is a is a big thing. But it is really great to to have experts like yourselves come in and chat about deep deep dive onto uh, to something uh, like this, a topic that, that, that that's there. How do people find out about you? Where do they go to get more information about you? Uh, what what message do you want to leave people with, Lawrence? Uh, well, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. Uh, so um, hopefully you find me there or via the authorities. That's well, website. Yeah, but, but, but don't spell Lawrence at all like that. No. Well, I said if, <laughs> if Google can have 10 O's, then why, why can't I? And um, yeah, just last thought, just on, I think Will sort of touched on it. Just you never know how far you can go until you really push yourself. It's so easy to play with this data. So you know, connect a Google Sheet to BigQuery and, and you know, start playing around with it in Data Studio. And from there, you can get more and more advanced. Um, you just, some of the tools I mentioned, like, you know, 
kumu.io and graph commons it's so easy to build yourself a graph and actually you know then it helps you understand the potential of tools like inlinks even more so so just get started get your feet wet and you'll probably um, be swimming before you know it rachel um yeah if you want to follow me for like seo content um i'm normally on twitter with that if you like animals that's instagram which is also linked from my twitter and um i guess like a little word of advice before leaving off um just like always keep digging like one benefit to seo is like you don't have the limits of some jobs so you can take a little time to dig a little deeper in the data and I feel like when you do, you just find something that you didn't see with all the other standard SEO tools that will either make your content different, better, um, or even like rank for keywords that you didn't even know it would rank for. Um, so yeah, that would be my Your Twitter handle is something a little odd. So what, what was your Twitter handle, Rachel? Um, I think my Twitter is um, just like Rachel H underscore SEO. Okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, will, how do we find you? How do we, what do you want to uh, leave us with? Just Google me, you'll find me. Uh, yeah. blabbing, blabbing somewhere. Um, just, just use one L, William Rock. Yeah. Use one oh. L in Will Reynolds. <laughs> or find find some other guy. Uh, you know, Google will autocorrect it. They're smart. Um, now, uh, you know, if anything, Dixon, I would just say uh, thank you for bringing us together. You know, I think honestly, like this kind of this kind of marketing search, whatever. There's not. A, I don't think there's a lot of people doing it. It's not the norm. Let's just put it that way. And to be able to sit in a room with Lawrence and yourself and, and Rachel today, it's like, I think for SEOs out there trying to do more of this work, even if you're in paid or analytics, doesn't matter when you're trying to join this data, it can be a little bit of a lonely place. So my recommendation is, you know, find, find your little tribe. Uh, I'm really glad to hear from those folks today because I'm like, okay, now I got some other people I can ping and be like, Hey, this is something that I'm working on. We didn't get to talk about and vice versa. So thanks for bringing us together, man. I, I really appreciate you doing that. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Well, Likewise. it was fantastic for us. So. Oh, oh. And one thing I would be remiss um, to not share this. Um, I started messing around in power BI like five years ago to join SEO and PPC data. And um, I have like a library of how to join all your data on YouTube. I must have like 30 videos on like how to join your SEO and PPC data, then oh, look cool. at competitors, how to join your SEO and PPC data, and then look at people also ask. Like, so it's like, it's a huge library out there of, of literal step-by-step -step from the CSV level. So if you don't have BigQuery, you don't have all that, we've, we've got a bunch of content out there people should watch if they're interested. Amazing. Guys, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think, David, I've said everything I need to say. I'll just, just make sure I haven't missed anything that's really, uh, really important. Uh, so it's just, I'll just leave it to say thanks to you, David, for uh, making sure I don't mess everything up again. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll see you all next, next, next month. And thanks all of you guys. And uh, cheers. Thanks for coming to the Knowledge Panel Show.